0: welcome back to sermon notes our podcast here at fellowship fayetteville as we're working our way through the book of first timothy my name is michael and i'm clark we've got josh our producer here and clark um one of the dangers of working through a letter is that we end up reading it a chapter here, a chapter there. We get a piece of it here and there. We're up to 1 Timothy chapter five here in week eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, why don't you set this up for us? Like make sure we understand how this fits into the flow of the book of 1 Timothy.
1: Yeah, that's good, Michael. Um, it's just a reminder. Yeah, it is a letter. It's it got context to it. Uh, the letter seems to turn outward into the church um, specifically in how they treat one another here um, in our passage this week. But um, you know, right out of the gate, Um, Paul was exhorting Timothy, hey, I need you to preach sound doctrine to combat the false teaching that was seeping into the church. And not only do that, but I need you to raise up godly leadership, men of character who can lead the church. And then even uh, this past week, you helped us see that uh, as uh, members of our church, we've got to take personal responsibility to own, discipline ourselves for godliness and growing. And so... Um, that brings us to this. is Once we get those things in order, now you've got to have this godly church that knows how to treat one another. And for Timothy, here this week, he's got to know how to pastor lots of different types of people in different situations.
0: So who are some of the people that we're going to see yeah. him give advice on in, in 1 Timothy 5?
1: Yeah, I mean, right out of the gate in 1 and 2, um, he deals with older men. He deals with older women. He deals with um, peer men that are like him, and then he deals with those who are sisters in the faith, if you will, younger women in the faith. Um, He deals with um, older widows, he deals with younger widows, he deals with elders we should honor, he deals with elders that are caught in sin, and then he addresses um, this idea of masters and slaves in their context. And so that's quite a variety of folks that he's been charged to lead. And, um, and Paul gets in the weeds, as he should, in terms of how to lead them in a gospel way. So, so. a couple of things kind of stood out to me as you were, you were walking through those
0: different groups. And one was you said, honor the elders. It seems like honor is something that
1: comes up over and over through this passage. Yeah, just in the tone that he says, even right out of the gate here, do not rebuke an older man harshly. There's a sense of respect or honor As he has some deference to the generation that's older than him or in front of him. Um, And then this word in verse 3, honor the widows, or in the NIV, it's give proper recognition to. Um, As you move through the text and you look at elders, he says the elders who direct the affairs of the church, they're worthy of double honor. And then as we move into chapter 6, those who are under the yoke of slavery should consider their masters worthy of full respect so that God's name and teaching wouldn't be slandered. And so there's this honor theme, this idea of giving proper recognition to, and in some cases, Michael, this honor isn't just a public recognition of, um, but it's kind of the nuance of how we treat each other with respect. It could even mean material help or blessing as it relates to widows and in some cases with elders as well. So... Yeah, honor seems to tie some of this together. If we were gonna kind of pull these 27 verses, at least that's what we'll be leaning into. So
0: Yeah, so there's a few things in here that I'm guessing as our leaders and folks who are working through this passage with us, they're gonna read this and they're gonna they're gonna wonder about. And one of those that people have already asked me about is verse 23. Paul says to Timothy, stop drinking only water and use a little wine because of your stomach and your frequent illnesses.
1: What's Paul communicating to Timothy there, you think? Yeah, you know, he's a young pastor. There's a lot going on in this church, as we've read in the previous four chapters. And it seems like, I, Michael, I don't know, some of the stuff that I've read on this, um, given the fact that he's having to lead different generations, he's having to navigate some tenuous situations with widows who need help and younger widows who just need to be careful not to get in sinful situations. He's also maybe having to address some elders who have caught themselves in some sin and having to confront them and address them. Some have suggested that he's under a lot of stress, and maybe this is part of what's causing some of the illnesses he's experiencing. Anything that you've read, Michael, that would... Speaking of that. I mean, just reading the passage, just
0: thinking about dealing with all of these things at once, I start to get a little indigestion just imagining (laughs) it, much less living it day in, day out. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, We know from other passages that Timothy was a little timid. Paul was always encouraging him not to be afraid. I mean, it's easy for me to imagine him waking up in the middle of the night with stomach pains. Yeah. Um, And, you know, we got to remember they didn't live in a time when Paul could say, grab a little Pepto-Bismol or take, right. take yourself a Pepsid. So That's right. I think wine probably had a disinfecting quality. Mm-hmm. Um, if they, they had no water purification. And so That's right. um, even the water itself might've been making him sick. But for Paul to say, put a little wine in there, I think it's it's more of a medicinal That's right. um, than an imbibing. What
1: I, what I don't think it is, is, hey, you're under a lot of stress, you know, have you something to drink when you get home at night right um, get a little buzz just kind of calm down a little bit I, definitely I don't think that's where he's leading us in fact you know over in Ephesians we're reminded to be controlled by the spirit right and not by alcohol right and so um so yeah it's a, it's an interesting thing it it, it does I think speaks to the personal nature of their relationship Paul is concerned about this young pastor's you know, personal health as much as he is the spiritual fruit of the church, and so he's coaching him up. Um, Paul's a he's a lifetime laborer with the gospel, and so he's weathered some of these storms. Right.
0: I think it's a good reminder yeah. to all of us too that man, the physical, emotional, mental health of our co-laborers in ministry should be a legitimate concern. We want people yeah. to stay in this thing for the long haul and not burn them out, burn them up, yeah. uh, overworking them. That's good, Michael. The other thing here I think people are going to be wondering about, uh, we find at the beginning of chapter 6, uh, we've got the first three verses, first two verses of chapter 6 here, um, where he gives some instructions for
1: uh, believing
0: slaves and masters. Um, what, what do you think about that passage?
1: Yeah, it's interesting, Michael, because I know in our context, in our nation, um, we've got a history of a form of slavery. Uh, unique um, in our history in the last uh, 250 years. And um, and so some have wondered if it's the same kind of slavery that we've experienced as a nation, um, or if it's something unique, you know, to the Roman empire. And I think there's some similarities and differences. Uh, the best uh, interpretation of that idea of slave is the idea of bond slave, which could have meant that some sold themselves into slavery to pay off debts. And so you become this um, this indentured servant, if you will, of this family, and um, they provide for you as you work on their land or their property. Um, as I've read some, Michael, what was interesting is that some think that at this time in the bigger cities like Ephesus, that as many as one-third of the population um, were some kind of slaves um, during this time. I thought that was interesting. That's quite a bit. And it wasn't rooted in ethnicity. Um, it was you, you had Roman slaves in Roman homes. Um, the Jews had a, a form of this as well. And so it wasn't necessarily the kind of slavery that we think of, but you were still owned by someone else. And because they owned you at your expense, they could use your body for the benefit of the, their household or what they were trying to gain out of you. And so a lot of the economy was rooted in this, this idea of household servants. And uh, so anyway, just, just some, some similarities, but also some unique things. Uh, some believe that these slaves, some of them had access to education, some didn't. And so um, there have been some writers who have said that by the age of 30, um, most people could find their way out of slavery in their culture. And so, there's a lot there, um, but um, this idea of bond servant, I think, captures uh, in the strictest sense what the word means there. So in their house church, you might have had a believing
0: master and a believing slave worshiping together. I can see how right. that could be a hard dynamic. Yeah, for a young church, I'm imagining that in our community groups at fellowship, which are probably about the same size as these house yeah. churches,
1: and on both the master and the slave. To you know, one of his concerns here is that because they have a believing master, you know, maybe they can ease up a little bit on them, or maybe not work as hard because they kind of got this in Christ agreement now. Hey, you know, ease up on me, and he's saying, no, I need you to, out of respect, work hard for your master. And, you know, no doubt in turn, if you're a master and you're now in Christ, there's a new way that you see uh, men and women created in the image of God, and now they're in Christ. And so that should affect the way a master would actually treat and see a slave. And so, uh, yeah, I'm just imagining, imagining them in someone's large living room or an atrium of a house, and they're having their church and they're worshiping together. And this new identity in Christ and seeing people in God's image is changing the way they treat one another. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully yeah. for the better, for sure. Yeah. Let's let's hope that just
0: what we all share in Christ impacts all of our relationships with each other for yeah. the better. So um, we'll kind of wrap up with this, Clark. Yeah. Um, as people are preparing to talk about this in their community groups, they're studying it on their own. Um, What's kind of a big takeaway? What, what would be kind of an application idea that you'd want us to take from this passage?
1: Yeah, and so um, if you were here this past Sunday, you probably picked up on a few of those. But um, I think it's important that we not just talk about what the Word says, but we practice what the Word tells us to do. And, um, and so some suggestion I would have is um, this holiday season, as we move into November, December, January, and we think through this time of the year, Um, consider the widows that God has put around you, either in your family, in your neighborhood, as we think through our parishes. This is a great time of the year for the church to be the church and for sure inside the church make sure our widows are taken care of, especially if those widows don't have family nearby that they can lean into. Um, They find themselves alone this time of the year. And so I think watching out for widows and honoring them in ways, in tangible ways, Um, I think another practical way that we could apply this is this is a great time of the year to publicly um, recognize and um, either in our share service that we're going to have here in a few weeks, um, but also at gatherings, um, whether it be Thanksgiving gatherings or Christmas gatherings, to publicly recognize those that you want to honor and speak truth into their life about what of encouragement they've been to you. Um, It could be an easy thing this time of the year to write a a written thank you to someone and just say, hey, um, this is the impact that you've had on me. And there's a lot of ways that we honor people. Sometimes, I mean, we have special days to honor people. Mother's Day, Father's Day, Martin Luther King Day. Um, We celebrate our veterans um, here in in a couple of weeks. And so um, I think those are some tangible things that we can do.
0: Yeah, that's good. Yeah. We almost never regret when we take the time to honor someone, thank someone. Um, that's usually a blessing for them and for us as we as we put some of those things out there well thanks clark thanks for your work in the passage and uh thanks for listening to sermon notes we hope this is helpful for you as you process these passages and and uh think through some of these questions i want to remind you the study tips that are in the book are very useful as you work your way through these passages to help you unpack these scriptures for yourself and we'll look forward to seeing you next time on sermon notes